Hello and welcome back to the Thomas Fitch Sports Show. I am your host, Thomas Fitch. We got a lot to talk about today. We are coming, we're talking about Texas's 13 to 10 overtime loss to Oklahoma State. Um, that was very brutal. Uh, still hurts to talk about a little bit. Uh, but we got some hot takes to start us off. First of all, I kind of I need to get a little meter, like icon up here of a fire meter for Tim Beck. And right now his fire meter is all the way over to f- he needs to be fired. We're going to talk more about that later. Um, I also think Texas is much closer to being back than people think. And finally, I think it's time to talk about Michael Dixon for Heisman. So let's get started. We're also going to talk about a little bit in uh, college football and what's going on there. I'll give you my top four for the playoffs. Anyways, we're going to start off with offense, (laughs) which was absolutely terrible. Um, Oklahoma State is not a team known for their defense whatsoever, and we only got 241 yards and 13 or it's not sorry, not 13, 10 points off that. So it was not a good offensive performance. So let me give you kind of my overall rundown. The play calling, terrible. Offensive line, terrible. Running game, terrible. Ellinger, first game of his career at Texas. Receivers, aside for John Burt, like what? Where did he come from? It was terrible. <laughs> now again, I'm I'm making it sound worse than it really was. But it, it was largely a very poor game offensively. Uh, Ellinger finished 22 of 36 for 241 yards and one interception, which was the last play of the game. But the big two reasons why the offensive line was so bad in this game was because, was because the offensive line was terrible and the play calling was terrible. That's why our offense struggled. So, and, and you know, when you look at the offensive line, there's not much you can do to fix that at this point. We are so depleted. I don't know if Connor Williams is coming back. I almost think for the sake of the future, it might be better if, if he stays out for the rest of the year, takes a medical red shirt and comes back. But that, again, that's a big risk for him to stay for a whole another year when he's being a projected top 10 draft pick. But that is something we will decide later on. The play calling is something that I, I just don't get. And I think some of it I get that Tim Beck is trying to run a play calling. He's still trying to run an offense based on Greg Ward. And unfortunately, neither Shane Buchel, nor Sam Ellinger, nor Gerard Hurd is Greg Ward. So unless he can get a Greg Ward or somehow turn Sam Ellinger into Greg Ward overnight, his offense is not going to work. The play where Sam Ellinger runs out to the side, and it's kind of like the 18-wheeler package, except with Sam Ellinger running it, it doesn't work. Uh, Ellinger, granted, sacks count into this, but he had 16 carries for negative 10 yards. Running the ball, he is a great scrambler out of the pocket. Design runs are not his thing, and they can lead to injuries. So I do not like that Tim Beck is doing that. I thought that he kind of, he went to the run game early. It wasn't working, so he went away from that. I get that. But then at the end of the game, Chris Warren actually started to have some good runs, and then he went away from it. What that shows me when Chris Warren starts to run good at, at, the, at the end of the game is that the defensive line is starting to get worn down. That's when you got to punish them and keep running with Chris Warren. He finished with 12 carries for 33 yards, his longest was 15, no touchdowns. So Antonio Carter only got one carry for three yards. So it was not a good 
There just wasn't a lot of running aspect to the game. And again, a large part of that goes back to the offensive line. It's hard to run well when you have <laughs> no offensive line to block for you. So that is a big struggle. The other struggle, our, our receivers, <laughs> again, aside for John Burt, two catches, 99 yards, where is he coming from? Although, of course, the one catch that he, you know, that's a 90-yard catch was a little screen pass, so he didn't have to actually make a tough grab on it, and he might have stepped out of bounds. We're not going to talk about that. We're not even going to talk about any of the officiating in this game because I don't want to get mad. It's a Saturday night. I want to go to bed. I don't want to be here for 50 minutes running. But here's the deal. A, you look at a lot of our star receivers, Colin Johnson, only three carries. Him fill map, or not carries, catches. Uh, him fill maps, too, and granted, he was injured. Uh, Lorenzo Joe, one. Lil Jordan, one. Meanwhile, guys like Dorian Leonard got four catches. And granted, it was tough to get the passing game going, so... I understand why not a lot of people got a lot of touches, but Colin Johnson is an incredible athlete. And the fact that he's getting three three catches and he wasn't even in the game that much was really disappointing. Um, but the receivers largely, you know, it's tough when, when your quarterback is having five linemen in his face every play, but I thought they were disappointing. The final thing that I, this goes back to the play calling that I thought was dis- really disappointing and I think, again, some of this, you've got to look at different defenses. So different players are going to work against different defensive schemes. So I get that. But against Kansas State, we ran a lot of slants, which lets Ellinger get the ball out of the pocket quickly. And, and you pick up, you know, five yards. It's a very hard play to defend off the ball. And you pick up at least five yards. It's an easy pass. It's an easy catch. And then you can have a run after catch. There was none of that really in this game. It was all rolling out, and I get you're getting away from getting him away from the linemen because they can't block. But again, if you throw a quick slant, you get away from that. And so when Ellinger is throwing on the run, he will have guys open who are running left. But if he's running right and the guy's running left and he's having to throw it deep, there's almost no way that he's going to make that pass, especially as a freshman who you know isn't very developed. And he just looks hesitant to throw on the run because that's, that makes it so much of a more difficult throw. So I just, I, I don't, I didn't like, I didn't like really any of the play calling in this game. Um, we're going to talk later about why Tim Beck should be fired, but really shouldn't. But um, I also want to move on to the defense because the defense really, really did <laughs> impress me this game. You look at the stats for this game. First of all, and, and most of the stuff, when I'm talking about scoring, I'm talking about regulation. You hold Oklahoma State, they are the second highest scoring uh, defense or offense in the nation. They're averaging 48.8 points per game. You hold them to 10 points in regulation. They're also the best offensive team uh, as far as yardage goes, averaging 610 yards per game, which is an incredible number. And they only had 428 yards. So, and, and again, you look at even 428, that's a lot to give up, to only give up 10 points. And I think that also shows that our defense did a good job of shutting down Oklahoma State in the red zone. And I think, um, again, I'm sorry, I missed last week uh, after the Oklahoma State game, or the Oklahoma game. But even in the first half, when we were down 20 to nothing, it could have been a lot worse 
but the the defense actually played decent in the red zone. And I thought that I think our defense has been very exceptional in the red zone compared to how they have played until the team gets there. So that's impressed that's impressed me. But going back to this game, second best uh, scoring offense, best overall offense, and you hold them to ten points in regulation. That that is <laughs> absolutely unheard of. And uh, Deshaun Elliott, I saw it on his on his Instagram. He posted a video from College Game Day where Desmond Howard and all of those guys are going. Texas has no chance in this game. The secondary got burned up against uh, against Oklahoma. This is a terrible team. <laughs> well, they just held Oklahoma State to ten points. So they might be biting their words a little bit. They should have been saving their criticisms for Tim Beck and the offense. Um, but I think personally in my life, this is the best defensive performance I've seen us had since 2009, back, back in the good old days when we were winning or at least competing for national championships. Um, one thing, a, a couple impressive things on defense, but there were very, very few missed tackles. And that was one thing that really impressed me about the game was we did, when we had a guy in the open field, we didn't miss him, but maybe once Malik blew a couple, but I'm not going to get on Malik because he had a heck of a game and we'll get to him uh, briefly. But it was a very um, disciplined Texas team that was, it was flying all over the place, that was wrapping up, wasn't missing tackles, and that is something we have not seen since Colt McCoy left Texas. We have not seen a defense that has been able to consistently, throughout a game, tackle well in the open field. Anywhere where we have a guy, we tackled well. And, and so I think you look at um, Herman's development from the Maryland game where it was just terrible. And I, again, I talked about that earlier, I think, or earlier in an earlier podcast. A lot of that was missed assignments, but you watched even the first half of Oklahoma – that was the worst tackling performance I think I've ever seen us have, to this being one of the best tackling performances I've ever seen us have. So I think in, in a small uh, little study or whatever focus point, Herman is good at improving the team. Um, I think he needs to work on improving the large, you know, the whole team. But missed tackles was a huge part of the Oklahoma State game. And to go from... That, from missing tackles, you know, all over the game to missing very few tackles, that was impressive. A couple guys I want to shout out who had really good games. Holton Hill, who, that guy was flying all over the place. Um, so many so many of those DB tackles just going for the leg. I mean, he was throwing his whole life into everybody's shin. Um, I'm surprised nobody broke a leg because he was flying around. Um, and, I mean... <laughs> It, it, it really felt like our players just like had glue on them. And the second they touched the defender, they weren't letting go. I mean, Holton Hill, would they would just drag guys down where in past games, you know, it's an arm tackle and the guy gets out. Um, Holton Hill, he finished with nine total tackles, eight solo. Um, really impressive and, and a good game in pass coverage. And someone, I can't remember who made this point a couple or last week, but Holton Hill had a lot of interceptions early on, um, a couple pick sixes. And it, it seemed like he's gone quiet. It's not that he's gone quiet. It's that quarterbacks know he is good and he's a shutdown corner. And when he's shutting down receivers, quarterbacks don't throw to them. You notice the best cornerbacks in, in college, in the, in the NFL, 
are not the ones who you hear. They're the ones who you go, oh, I haven't heard their name all game. The reason you haven't heard their name all game is because they are shutting down the receivers. Pardon my voice. I yelled at the refs a little bit at the game. Um, Another guy I want to shout out, Malik Jefferson. You got to shout him out every game. This guy is a freak of nature. You know, one of my least favorite things when we lose is looking at Malik Jefferson walk off the field. You just feel for the guy. Like you can feel his sadness because you see a guy who has given it literally everything he's he's given everything he's got and he's left it on the field. And especially in a loss like this where so many things could have happened to where we could have won, um, it, it hurts to see him like that. But he ended up 14 total tackles, 11 solo, uh, and he was just flying around everywhere. He did have one missed tackle. I'm sorry I have to bring that up. But other than that, it was incredible. Uh, he was flying around. He was, you know, I've said this in past podcasts, but if you ever just want to, like, enjoy something, just watch Malik play defense. Just watch him. Don't watch the whole thing. Watch him because he is running back and forth. He's got such a good football IQ. He is so athletic because he he will get from one end of the field to the other and back um, and just following the ball, following the quarterback. Um, and it's a shame he's doing so good because since he's only a junior. I think he'll be a top 10 draft pick, and um, he only has a couple games left with us on the 40 Acres, which is a shame, but that's good for him. He's he's worked on it. Um, uh, he, you know, I think he might may. I, I think it's hard for him to solidify a legacy because uh, freshman was really good, but then sophomore year he kind of slumped off. But this year has to go down as, uh, from what I've seen in my lifetime, and again, you know, I don't remember much of the glory days of Texas, but one of the most impressive defensive players I've ever seen play for Texas in my lifetime. Um, the athleticism, the heart, the grit that he shows, and his tackling in this game was incredible. Um, I think the team finally learned what wrapping up was. And the last name I want to shout out, we're almost out of our 15 seconds, uh, or 15 minutes that uh, the the podcast thing I used to record, but we'll just go to a part two. Um, but Brecken Hager, he had a really, really good game. Um, only you know three tackles, um, but they're all solo, but he had two sacks. And he's, he's, he's another one of those guys who's so much fun to watch because uh, he's just flying in there. Um, he's got the hair, which is so much, you know, um, really athletic player. So it's good to see he's getting more time. We've got to wrap this one up. 